Welcome to Shatterproof. I'm your host, Todd Callahan. You can connect with me on Instagram at Pastor Todd Callahan. You can download our app by searching Ignite Church VT on the Google Play Store or the App Store, or you can follow us online at IgniteChurchVT.com. Do me a favor, share this podcast, share this episode. We're going to have a great conversation today. You don't want to miss it. Shatterproof. I trust you are doing well wherever you are, whatever you are involved in, in this lifetime right now. I pray that God is blessing you, favoring you, and all kinds of incredible things are happening. You know, anytime that you start to um, really take a, a leap of faith into what God's called you to do and everything that he's designed for you to step into, you're going to have haters. And and I tell um, you know, I tell our church, haters are nothing more than confused fans. They really don't. They really don't know why they're hating on you. They're just a confused fan. And uh, anytime you're doing something great in the kingdom, you're going to have attacks. There are going to be people who uh, come after you. They come after your calling. They come after your destiny. They come after the influence that you have. And this past week, um, there was another hit piece that was written on me and and uh, by this this wannabe um, um, a journalist, if you can even use that word, by the name of John Walters, for some some uh, communistic um, progressive um, organization uh, called the Vermont Political Observer, um, the VPO.org. And uh, just the opening paragraph that this guy wrote, um, uh, it just shows you how, how completely disconnected he is from anything that that's happening spiritually uh, in this culture, uh, especially here where we are in the great state of Vermont. But as you read this first paragraph, this guy wrote, you know, it's amazing to me how people who are not spiritually apprised at all want to speak as though they are. And I mean, this guy attacked the way our church looks. He attacked the way I look. He attacks uh, some of the people that that I have relationship with, Charlie Kirk, Eric Metexas, um, you know, we just had a young lady by the name of Lily Kate in, who's part of, uh, she's a Turning Point USA ambassador. She spoke um, about radical feminism and how to bring um, 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 the biblical concept of of femininity and masculinity back into the culture. He attacked that. Um, he attacked uh, the worship that we do, my preaching style, uh, the way in which um, we we um, uh, pray for things. Uh, he, let's see, he attacked my what I wear, what I look like. Uh, he attacked the fact that I have a, a trimmed beard. Uh, you know, these, these people are nothing more than haters. They cannot stand to see the influence work. You know, and I've told people, preachers that are silent on politics are going to end up being silenced by politics. And I know there's a lot of people who don't believe that churches ought to be speaking on certain uh, issues of the day, but if we don't talk about them, then guess what's going to happen? We're going to lose. And wherever you are and what you, whatever you are engaged in, you must fight this cultural precept that because you are a Christian, you should shut up and not have a voice. For far too long, the church has been in retreat. Far too long. And this is completely um, um, organized. The, the progressive, ungodly, liberal ideologies of this nation in America have been to silence the voice of Christians and those who have biblical values 
character, and integrity. And Proverbs 28 tells us the wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. And it's time that the church found its voice in this kind of culture, in this kind of society. I don't care what these kind of political hacks want to write about me. Um, It's not going to stop. It's not going to stop me from preaching what I preach. I'm preaching the kingdom. I'm preaching his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How is it going to happen on the earth? It's going to happen through you, and it's going to happen through me getting engaged in this culture. We've got generations on the face of this earth that need to be impacted by the influence that we have given by God, by the anointing that God's put upon our lives. So it's time that we we rose up and we took a stand like never before. It's time that we position a generation a company of people just like you and me, to get into a place of intention. You know, every step you take and every decision you make can impact the existence of of the next generation. The only thing the enemy can do is make you timid, timid and make you passive and apprehensive so that you don't make full use out of the gifts that you are, that may be laying dormant for some people, that may not be fully active. The enemy doesn't want you to be completely active and fully engaged in what God's called you to do. But God said to Joshua, be strong. He didn't tell him to feel strong. You know, in this this culture, everything's about feelings. You know, feeling, feeling, feeling. How do you feel? How do you feel? How does this make you feel? He didn't tell him to feel strong because sometimes you've got to be strong until you feel strong. So you've got to be strong until your feelings catch up, not wait for you to feel strong. We don't walk by feelings, we walk by faith. We walk by faith and command our feelings to catch up. If, if, if I were to allow my feelings to dictate what I do and who I am, then these kind of, of hack jobs that write these hit pieces on me would, would prevent me from preaching the gospel. It would back me into a corner. I mean, literally, I sat and laughed when I read this article. And this guy goes on and on and on. He's trying to connect me to people, um, you know, who are having issues in ministry, uh, like Mark Driscoll. He's he's saying that I am I am casting myself in the mold of megachurch leaders like the disgraced Mark Driscoll. I've never even talked with this guy. And secondly, I don't even know everything that's going on with Mark Driscoll. I don't get involved in all that, all that stuff. I, God's, giving, God's, God's given me a sphere of influence, and that's what I'm focusing on. So I don't even know what's happening with Mark Driscoll. But so, you know, th- this guy says, you know, he's casually dressed in a blue jean hoodie with a black T-shirt. First of all, I don't wear blue. Uh, I don't wear a blue jean hoodie and a black T-shirt. Um, I wore a black hoodie with my black T-shirt. His hair was cut short and he had the, the requisite manly close cropped beard. Well, that's cool because I looked your picture up and you look like you just walked out of some cabin in the middle of the woods. You look like some creepy guy. Your beard is so untrimmed and, and, and crazy. You look like you could have walked out of some, some cabin in the woods. And, and you know, so he, he's going after all of this stuff. And it says he employed the full range of evangelical preaching from soft-spoken and personal to over-the-top bombastic. As he spoke, he often flipped through the pages of notes in a notebook with an American flag on the cover. First of all, he can't tell the difference between an iPad and and, and a notebook. So, you know, this guy obviously has perception problems. Um, And when you're just watching something on YouTube and you've never been in the building and you've never been to a service, I mean, he goes on right, right there in the opening statement that he has, and he says, no crosses, no evidence of religion at all. 
Number one, we have a huge cross above the platform, above the staging area. So if he was in the building, he would have seen it, but he didn't see it on the portion of the broadcast that he watched because maybe the the the, the cameras didn't pick it up. But we got a massive cross in the building. And secondly, he says there's no evidence of religion at all. That's the greatest compliment he could have given. There's no evidence of religion at all. That is exactly what we want. That is exactly what we are desiring. And you know what? This guy, if he were to come in, if he were to come into a service, he would experience the power and the, uh, the anointing of God moving, and he would experience no religion. He doesn't understand that's not what it's about. It's about a relationship with Jesus that causes you to change from the inside out. Religion causes you to change from the outside in. Jesus causes you to change from the inside out. So this guy is speaking from a place of ignorance. He's speaking from a place of darkness, and he just goes on and on and on and on. And when you've got people like this, you've got to understand that your feelings cannot be dictated by, by people who are ungodly, by people who have uh, demonic um, desires, and they have outcomes of of trying to tear you down and diminish everything that God has built you up to do. Because the God that I serve said to be strong. And sometimes you've got to tell yourself to be strong until your feelings catch up. And you know, those Jericho walls fell because he had courage. The Jordan River parted because he had courage. You know, uh, David wasn't the most skilled warrior. He was not the most efficiently equipped person. He only had a slingshot and five stones, but he did with a rock what people who were trained in military warfare could not do with their weapons. Because one thing he had that they didn't, he had courage. And I don't know what kind of attacks you're experiencing or, or what kind of attacks you're going through. Maybe you're standing up for life and you've got people who who are, are, are just, you know, running their mouth about abortion rights and saying that, you know, they're, they're shouting and screaming, you know, choice, 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 you know, pro-choice down your throat. And you're fighting for the life of these innocent babies inside the wombs of their mother. And they're screaming at you. You've got to understand God's given you a spiritual stamina that you need to stand firm and, 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 and speak life over those people who are condemning what it is that you're fighting for because courage will make you run towards something with a rock that other people will run away from. And you've got to understand that, that it takes courage. And, and, and the greatest expression of courage was seen on Calvary. That cross was the ultimate expression of courage. It took courage to go to the cross. It took courage to stay on the cross. It took courage to trust God enough to say, if you let me die, I know you're going to raise me back up again. Courage is the ultimate expression of faith. Faith is the womb from which courage is birthed. Courage is the fruit of faith, right? Where there is no courage, there is no faith. Because the fight of faith will always show up wearing the clothes of courage. So when you're being attacked, there's courage that comes from your faith that produces a fight in you that allows you to endure the persecution. You may be pressed, but you won't be crushed, the Bible tells us. So you've got to continue to fight that. It wasn't just Jesus's love for us that kept him on that cross. It was Jesus's faith in the Father that kept him on that cross because he predicted not only his own death, but his own resurrection because he was fully convinced and persuaded that God would be faithful to his word and do exactly what he said and resurrect him. So when we talk about courage, we're not, we're not, talking about faith in Jesus. We're talking about the faith of Jesus. Do you think that Jesus 
was persuaded. When the scribes and the Pharisees were condemning him and coming at him from all sides and the culture was trying to tear him down and, and, and minimize the calling that he had upon his life, minimize who he was and, 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 and were, just, were just trying to demean him in such a way that it would crush his influence in the culture. Do you think it changed Jesus? Absolutely not. He continued to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do what he has been called to do. So whatever attacks you are experiencing, whether they're political, whether they are emotional, whether they're spiritual, whether they're financial, whether they are relational, whatever you are going through, understand there is a spirit behind the attack that is doing everything that it can possibly do to diminish your influence, to diminish the power that God has given you to overcome those obstacles. There are walls that God wants to take down in your life so that he can build a foundation that is stronger than the previous place you were in. And one of the greatest things we can do when we're being persecuted, when there are things coming against us, is just praise him. You need to have a Holy Ghost praise party. I love it when articles like this get written about me, uh, you know, and, and, and he's, you know, going on and on and on about, you know, me shouting when I preach. <laughs> you know, I'm not one of these guys, uh, if you've never seen any of our services, I'm not one of these guys that can just stand behind the podium and, and talk. I mean, I got to preach the word. I get excited to preach the word. I want to preach the word unashamed. I want to preach the word with passion and power and authority. So I like to shout and and when and because that's the way that God made me. When I see articles like this written about me, I I just go sit at the piano and I worship my way through my feelings. I worship my way through my emotions so that I don't have a response that is equal to the to the to the awful spirit that's coming out of this person. I have to represent and reflect a different spirit because we are not the same. He is of a different spirit. I am of a different spirit. So let that be, uh, um, uh, you know, something that you reflect on when you're being attacked. Remember, you are not of the spirit where that attack is coming from. You are, you are of a different spirit now. You are of a different bloodline. So understand, it's one thing to have faith in Jesus, but it's another thing to have the faith of Jesus because faith in Jesus is saving faith. The faith of Jesus is miracle-working faith. So it's speaking to dead, dead things faith. It's healing blind eyes faith. It's shattering limitations faith. And we gotta understand what Judges says. In Judges 3, it says, these are the nations the Lord left to test all those Israelites who had not experienced any of the wars in Canaan. Verse 2, he did this only to teach warfare to the descendants of the Israelites who had not had previous battle experience. So understand, there's a generation that's on the face of the earth right now that doesn't understand how they have to contend and fight for their freedom of worship. As we begin to, to take a look at what's happening with this marriage bill, this, this marriage act that was passed in Congress, I believe 12 Republicans, um, and I use the word Republicans, not conservatives, uh, 12 Republicans voted with Democrats, with liberals, uh, on this, this Marriage Act bill, um, which is, is just incredible because what I believe as I have looked over this thing is going to happen. I believe that there's going to be a separation of what they classify to be free speech and what they classify as hate speech. And I believe they're going to attempt to take away the 501c3 exemption from churches if churches do not agree to marry gays and lesbians, if we don't approve of transgenderism, if we don't support that kind of marriage lifestyle and that kind of um, 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 culturalistic ideology, if we don't accept that, they're going to try to take away 501c3. I think that's, that's the direction we're headed. 
And I told our church, great, take the 501c3 away. I don't care. I think another step down the road, we're going to uh, see pastors uh, being fined. I think we're going to see pastors imprisoned. We're not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about China. I'm not talking about Canada. I'm not talking about any other communistic nation or country around the world. I'm talking about in the United States of America. And this is what happen, happens when you allow liberalism to take over the minds of a generation. Liberalism is a disease. And what they believe is ungodly and sinful in its nature. And until the people of God begin to take their rightful place in the territory that God has given us to influence, he said, occupy until I come. We must occupy the territory that God has given us with the kingdom mandates, the kingdom values, and, 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 and respond to this culture with kingdom integrity if we're going to change it. That does not mean you and I become doormats. There's this, there's this method of thinking from, from those that are, that are in this culture and in this generation that Christians should be doormats. And if you and I are not doormats, they freak out, they lose their mind, they start calling you names, they start uh, ju just completely losing their minds about it because you're not capitulating to what they expect you to do. So understand here is uh, th this passage that I just read in Judges, you know, this is not the generation that had experienced the exodus out of Egypt. We're living in a generation now that most of these, most I, I don't know how many people, I don't know what the statistic is, but most people in today's generation, especially in, 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 in Gen Z and millennials, they, they haven't even fought in a war. They don't even know what it means to fight for freedom. And so when you look at the Israelites and you look at, at, at a generation that had experienced the ed exodus out of Egypt and the one that hadn't, this is not the generation that knew what it was like to have to depend on manna to fall from heaven and from water to come out of a rock. This is not a generation that had to depend on God to part the Red Sea. This is the generation that was born in Canaan. They were born in blessing. They were a generation that was born experiencing fruit that they didn't have to labor for. They didn't know struggle. They didn't know lack. If I can put it in, in, in cultural context for you, they only knew PlayStations, Xboxes, switches, Jordans. They only knew their own rooms, TVs, remote controls. They didn't know what it like was, you know, they didn't know what it was like to be your own remote control. Do you remember that? If you were born in the 80s, you know, if you were born in the 70s, you knew what it was like to be an 80s kid and you had to be the remote control. You had to get up and you had to go to the TV and you had to, you had to turn that dial or you had to hold the antenna or put wrap some tin foil around the antenna to get a better signal. Do you remember those days? Uh, you know, there's a generation that doesn't have a clue what that is. Not a clue. So the Bible says that God left some nations around to teach them skills to fight that they didn't have because they didn't have the fight. They, they didn't have to fight to get it. But God knows whatever is possessed must be protected. God has given you the, the, the territory that you are in, the space that you occupy. He has called you to take that for the kingdom of God. Because whatever is gained must be maintained. So even if you didn't fight to get it, you're going to have to fight to keep it. Because whatever you have, the devil is coming after it. If you've got peace, the devil's coming after it. If you have joy, the devil's coming after it. If you have influence, the devil's coming after it. And I'm, and I, and I'm so grateful to God that he's giving me a, a voice and a mouthpiece, especially around New England and throughout, throughout America. I'm grateful for that. But I have to defend that, and I've got to make sure that I'm praying. I've got to make sure that, I, that I'm worshiped up, I'm praised up. I've got the Word in me. The Word's coming out of me. 
Because when you get attacked, when I saw this article written this week, which I didn't even know, I don't even know who this hack job is, but he, when I when 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 I saw the article, I just sat there and laughed because it's amazing how the enemy will try to use strategies from people who have absolutely no influence in your life to try to deter you off of the path that God has put you on. So whatever you have, the enemy's coming after it. And I don't know how to fight if I don't know how to protect what God has given me and what God is. If you don't know how to fight to protect that, you will not be able to maintain what you've gained. And Jesus does not just want us to have fruitful lives. He wants our fruit to remain. So it's one thing to have it, but it's another thing to keep it because God said, I left these trials around so I could train these people in the skills they needed so they can fight to keep what they possess. And I don't know about you, but what I've learned in my lifetime is nothing trains you like a trial. You don't learn prayer in a sermon. You learn prayer under pressure. And I've made that comment before, and there's other people that have, you know, uh, completely taken that out of context and they freaked out about it. But you can, you can hear a sermon on prayer and you can understand in the natural, the particulars. But until you are under pressure, you don't understand the spiritual implication of prayer until you have to get on your face and beckon heaven to open over your life. So you learn the principles of prayer through a sermon, but you learn the practices of prayer when you are under pressure and your back is against the wall. Understand the majority of people, the majority of human beings do not pray until their back is against the wall until all hell is falling around them. And then they go to God in prayer. Prayer should be a lifestyle. Prayer should be something that we are going to God with every single day. I mean, when I wake up in the morning, I'm praying. When I go to bed at night, I'm, uh, you know, if I'm reading my word, if I'm worshiping, if I'm sitting at the piano, my spirit is engaged and I'm just praying. And I'm just honoring God and thanking God for what he's doing. And you cannot, within your own ingenuity, figure out how you're going to make you know, this stuff works. So you have to place yourself at the mercy of a deity who is able to intervene into the affairs of your existence and orchestrate all things according to the counsel of his own will. So you learn how to pray, most of us, when we're in trouble. You learn how to pray late at night. You learn how to pray when you don't know what else to say because nothing trains you like a trial. So, so count it all joy when, when people are persecuting you when people are coming against you because of him, the Bible says, because of Jesus, be grateful that that persecution, persecution is coming against you because that means that you have influence. That means somebody has recognized the influence that God has placed upon you and it's driving them absolutely crazy because they don't know how to stop it. They don't know what to do with the, the level of intensity that they are feeling coming out of your life because God has anointed you that much. So we have to learn the difference between knowledge and training because you, you, can, you can have knowledge but never be trained because nothing trains you like a trial. And the Bible says that God left specific nations in orchestrated proximities because he wants that generation to be trained. And I believe that we're experiencing that right now right now in America, especially, that God wants this generation of Christians, this generation of church, to be trained on what it means to contend for the kingdom of God. Over the last 20, 30 years, there have been great moves of God there, you know, throughout the world, but America, but America 
has not experienced what I believe that God is about to release because I believe that we are on the precipice of one of the greatest moves of God that our generation has ever seen. And you know we're about to experience that because all of hell seems to be unleashed everywhere we look. In all corners of the earth, all of hell is being unleashed. And it seems as though the United States of America is leading the charge against anything that is of God. If, if, if it's of God, America is throwing it away. If it's not of God, America is embracing it. That is why there is such a spiritual struggle right now that you are sensing, that you're feeling, that you're seeing with your own eyes and the natural as well as the spirit. And it, it, it's happening right before us. And, and, and this is why God has put us here. He has put us here to fight the fight of faith. Do not give up that fight because of your persecution. So Israel had not experienced this stuff before, and they're all undone, they're all undone, and they're nervous. And you know, God metaphorically speaking is sitting in heaven, probably laughing and just saying, you know, hey guys, chill out. It's just training. It's just training. They think their lives are taking a downward spiral and it's never gonna recover. But God's like, listen, this is just training. You're just in class. Maybe that's for you. You're listening. Maybe you just need to know you're just in a pretest. God picked those specific nations that specific generation, and used them to engage Israel in bear battles. You know, what do I mean by a bear battle? I've used that analogy when I, when I, in, in, in some of my messages before. A bear battle, if you look at David, before he could engage in a battle with Goliath, he was having a conversation with the king who gave him permission to fight Goliath. And the king was asking him, what qualifies you to fight this giant who has been trained in military warfare all of his life? And David was kind of like, you know, while I was, I'm tending to my father's sheep, there was a, a lion and a bear that came to try to take some of the sheep, and I protected my father's sheep from the lion and the bear. And the same God that delivered me out of the hand of the lion and the bear is the same God that will deliver this Philistine into my hands. See, some battles are bear battles. They aren't battles that are intended to take you out. They are battles that are intended to cultivate in you the confidence you need to face a Goliath when you face him, to, to defeat a Goliath when you face him. And see, the only reason David even had confidence to fight Goliath was because that confidence was cultivated in what he saw God do with a bear. And I know there's been some stuff in your life that God has, has showed you on the, uh, on the other side of that trial that he's faithful, that he's good, that he's honorable, that he's an incredible faithful God over your life. And I know that every attack of the enemy, everything people say about you, everything that people have done to you, the experiences that you've gone through, you've had to fight to get to where you are in your faith right now. But David was, David was saying, if God can do this with a bear, the same God that did it with the bear can do it with a giant. Things that agitated you, but God allowed it to educate you at the same time. Come on, somebody. When, when, when you were in them, they were agitating. But once you got out of those experiences and you look back, you saw that God was giving you some education. Judges 3, 4 says they were left to test the Israelites to see whether they would obey the Lord's commands, which he had given their ancestors through Moses. It says again, they were left to test the Israelites to see whether they would obey the Lord's commands. I want to ask you, as you look around this culture, as you look at what God's called you to, are you obeying God's commands? Are you obeying the Lord's commands? Because 
in this passage of Scripture, he leaves the enemies there, one, to teach them war, but also to see if they're going to obey his commandments. Why do they need enemies to obey? Could it be because God realizes that real commitment is only revealed during times of inconvenience? That it's easy to say, you're with me when it costs you nothing to be with me, but real commitment is revealed and embodied and expressed in a God who needs nothing. He's wrapped himself up in flesh, coming down to earth, walking 33 years on the earth, going to a cross, being wrongfully convicted, going to a grave, staying there for three days to get up. Real commitment reveals itself during inconvenience, during a trial. And could it be that God was using inconvenience and battles, not to show him something that he already knows, but to show them something? Could it be that trouble really shows you stuff that's buried deep, that's not visible on the surface, but just because it's deep doesn't mean it's not dangerous? Because there's nothing that shows you what's in you like pain. If you smash your toe against the bed in the morning when you're, when you're getting up or you hit your head on the, on the top of the car while you're getting in the car, see what you say. See what comes out of your mouth. Pain will show you things that are present that you didn't even know existed. (laughs) And whenever God shows us something like this, he's not just showing us this to critique or judge us. He's showing us this because he knows this needs to be exposed before we move into another season, operating under an illusion that we are in a place that we actually are not in. So there's a place in my life that's weak. He's not showing it to me just to judge me and point the finger and say, you're weak. He's showing it to me because there's something in my future that requires that I be strong in the place that I'm weak. He says, to, he's essentially saying to David, let me show you this now. You don't run up on Goliath thinking you're better than you're, you're better with your rock than you actually are. So I'm going to let you miss in this season. And if you can get over your ego and if you can get over the embarrassment, if you will let me realign you, if you will let me, uh, you know, if you'll let me teach you a lesson when you get to the next season, you will have fixed the area that would have made you vulnerable. So you got to get past your ego, what people think about you. What, what you think about yourself and just be like, show me, God. Don't let me walk around blindly into something I'm not ready for. Show me. Don't let me think I'm stronger than I am and I take on more than I can bear and it crushes me. God, show me. Don't make me think people around me are, are solid when they're shifting sand. I know there may be some people in your relationship circle that you need to just let go because they're shifting sand. You need to get them out of your phone. You need to stop texting them. You need to stop calling them. We need to be like, God, it may hurt my feelings, but I need you to show me. It might hurt my ego, but show me. I may be surprised, but show me. Because God, I'd rather you show me now than me find out the hard way later. So your trials are training. And if you don't see the the trial is training, you've got to leave that season with something. I mean, I need some wisdom. I need some strength. I need need a lesson. I need something, right? So... The Bible says if if you sow in tears, you're going to reap in joy. I need something from this season of testing. If I'm coming out of Egypt, I'm not coming out empty-handed. So we have to see the trial as a training. The, 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 The stuff that attacks your calling, the stuff that attacks the mantle that God has placed upon your life is only making you stronger. God is allowing your enemy to become a footstool. Now, I could read this article uh, that was written about me and bashes our church and 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 bashes the fact that I stand for marriage being between a man and a woman and and uh, this 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 journalist again if you can even use that word this guy is purely a 
probably a self-proclaimed journalist, but if I were to read him uh, this article and everything that he was saying about uh, putting down those who, we had an altar call where people were just sharing some stuff that God was freeing them from and, and God needed to break them and, and release them from. And he's making fun of that. And, and you know, he, he, he's upset about our influence. There's one thing he says uh, in, in, in this article where he, he says, um, you know, that we are a key player in efforts to build a right-wing Christian movement in Vermont. That, that's not what we exist for. We're not here existing as a church. I'm not, God did not call me to Vermont just to build a right-wing Christian movement. He called me to Vermont. Where you have, you, wherever you've been called, God's called you there for a reason. God called me here to Vermont to preach the gospel, to release of the word of God so that captives can be set free from the bondage of sin and that we could see the kingdom of God expand and grow. That is the primary reason that he sent me. But within that, there are things happening in the culture that when they conflict with the word of God, we must speak into it. And there are people who are ungodly. There are people who are so carnal. There are people that are so wicked who will do everything that they can do to tear down what God is trying to elevate you for. So if you're in a season of life where you are questioning the attack, understand you are going through the trial and you are going through the attack because God has given you that much sphere of influence. He's expanding your territory. He is stretching your tent pegs. And I believe that the attack that you and I are experiencing right now in this culture is because the kingdom of God is about to expand beyond anything we have ever seen. I believe we're about to see signs and wonders and miracles and, and, and just incredible creative happenings of heaven on the earth that this generation in my lifetime, has never seen. I believe it's about to happen. I believe you and I are a part of that. And I believe that as we continue to endure the tests and endure the trials and endure the persecution, God gets all the glory. Though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil. I don't care what you are going through. I don't care what, what kind of fires you have to walk through. God will meet you on the other side. He will guard you. He will lead you. He will direct you by the Holy Spirit. And there will be an incredible move of his spirit because of your obedience to do everything that God has called you to do. So don't, you know, don't, don't worry about the persecution. Don't worry about what people say. Don't worry about what they write about you. Don't worry about what they post about you. Understand you have a mantle to carry and you have to stand before God and you have to account for what it is that God has called you to do. Regardless of the attacks, be strong, be courageous, and God will see you through. I love you. I'm praying for you. I cannot wait to see everything that God is going to do through this culture, through the people of God, because we are faithful to do everything He's commanded us to do. I'm praying for you. I love you. Connect with me on Instagram, Pastor Todd Callahan. Download our church app, NightChurchDT. Follow us online at NightChurchDT.com. I'm believing the best is yet to come. I'll see you on the next episode of the show.